Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hey, Southern Last Podcast fans, we're going to be in Atlanta playing at the Earl on Saturday, June 18th. Go to badearl.com to get your tickets. It's $18 in advance, $20 on the day of the show. This is definitely going to sell out, so be sure to go and get your tickets right now. That is Last Podcast on the Left live at the Earl in Atlanta. Now, on with the show. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast on the left. That's when the cannibalism started. What was that? Okay, there we go. I'm back N- in Nike business. shoes. I apologize. Nike shoes are the best shoes. I did like our color conversation, though. Green is my favorite color because I think it's ugly. Which is very sad. Uh, and you like brown, Marcus, because you like dirt. Dirt! That's what you like. <laughs> you like anything modeled, like the underneath of a mm. boot. Alright, my favorite color as a boy was purple because of Whoopi Goldberg. <laughs> From um, what? Uh, I want to say the color purple. Oh, yeah. And, and, <laughs> Isn't that movie about rakes? You know... <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't about know. about rape. You know what I mean? It wasn't like that was. That's not the first word. It's that a pops heavy up. movie for that a child. A, when you go through movie? Showtime, it doesn't say in the the show description <laughs> rape exclamation point, and then be like Whoopi Goldberg is uh, part of this wonderful tale of race and family. All right, so there you go, everyone. A little insight into why we have our favorite colors. Uh, all right, we got to continue on with the Hillside Stranglers. We're on to episode three. Uh, things just get. Uh, I mean, it never gets good. I no. just have to say, things are ne- always kind of bad. Their antics never got funny. No. And you know what? I watched Butch, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and you watch that, and you're like, those an- those antics are just charming. Right. I love to see them abscond with the ladies and with the bank teller's money. But the Hillside Stranglers mm. are just bastards. Yeah. Yeah, there's no Sundance Kid to lighten the mood. But if they were just a little bit more handsome, like the guy that did, um, the guy that was the uh, rapist that had uh, the mugshot that came out that they said the world's hottest felon and then he, he got released not, from jail he was and now burglar. he's got a modeling contract in Los Angeles, California. Yeah, he wasn't a burglar or he wasn't a rapist. He was a burglar. Burglar's the first step also, towards rapist. Okay, whatever. I, I do what have we say, learned? I am confirmed... Big and tall Kmart model. I did the shoot this Tuesday. I just want to make that clear. Yes, okay. congratulations, Thank Ben. You. We're all very proud of it. Was it you, you so like much. struggling against a boa constrictor, or you like struggling <laughs> yeah. against two like growing mangrove trees, just being like, see the giant face the forest? It was amazing. All the other models were very in shape, and that morning I finished uh, finished off my Papa John's pizza. Yeah. So I was a different kind of model. Or, uh, or right up top, I'd like to make a small correction to the end of the last episode. Now, according to a confidential source of mine, Sean Bianchi is not the real name of Ken Bianchi's son. 
I won't say it here out of respect for the guy's privacy. I won't tell you his real name. Adrian Brody. (laughs) 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 But after checking birth records in California, I discovered that Bianchi's son was actually born nine days after the murder of Cindy Hudspeth, the last victim of Bianchi and Bono. So that means that Ken was actually present at the birth of his son, not out killing a woman at Angelo's upholstery shop, Mm. as we said at the end of the last episode. Whatever. Wow, he must have been a really good guy then. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to say he's father of the year. Father of the year. At any rate, on February 17th, 1978, the Hillside Strangler murders ended just as abruptly as they began. The partnership would have almost certainly continued indefinitely as... We know killers don't stop killing until they're caught, but Ken's recklessness and his increasing love of publicity caused Bono to cut ties with his cousin completely. Well, after their super rash murder that they did, basically of uh, Bianchi grabbing a woman inside of Bono's upholstery shop and murdering her right there, Bono apparently took a gun out of his office and went, Fuck you! Fuck you, Clemifer, and I hate your name. I hate everything about I'm going to say that's sort of a Charles Ng meets uh, Deputy Dewey from, uh, from Scream. He is. That's how I would describe Bono. So, Bono was the brains behind the operation. He was the one who kept Ken's enthusiasm, for mm. lack of a better word, in check, making sure he never took too many risks, and the impromptu murder at Bono's upholstery shop told Angelo that Ken was not someone that he could work with anymore. Well, he was like the brains, kind of like, he reminds me of Iago the parrot from Aladdin. Oh, and, yes. that, uh, and that Bianchi was sort of like one of the hyenas from The Lion King. Bring yes. it back Whoopi Goldberg on that Whoopi one. Whoopi Goldberg's got a lot to do with this case, the color purple. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's right. So he's sort of the head coach behind the whole thing. Oh, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the one that keeps Dennis Rodman and Scottie Pippen from choking each other. Oh, wow. Hot yeah. scene. God, that's sexy. Yeah, it was kind of sexy. <laughs> now, even though it might have been a smarter idea to keep King close, where Bono could keep an eye on him. Angelo disliked Ken so much and wanted him out of his life so much that he convinced Bianchi to leave Los Angeles and join his wife Kelly in Bellingham, Washington, where she had recently moved, wanting to escape the seedy streets of Los Angeles. Bellingham, Washington does sound like the place where every house comes with its own butler. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a very wealthy place, which means it's probably extremely poor. Right? Ma'am, would you like some eggs? They won't let me leave. <laughs> <laughs> it's a town of about like 400,000 in uh, rural Washington. Oh, yeah, yeah. In Washington, yeah, we all think Seattle's super hip. Now, Washington and uh, Oregon just full of rednecks after, Very you, get, full after of you get out of the cities. Mountain people. Yeah, oh. rednecks, white supremacists. Go see Green Room for a good, uh, an actual good representation of what happens out in the wilds of uh, Washington and Oregon. That's I thought right. Kelly moved to Washington because she just didn't know what to do with that tossed salad and those scrambled eggs. <laughs> Mm. Love Fraser. And they're coming again. Uh, that was the other big move to Seattle. This is we that. covered. We did this before, I, I, but I like getting into this into the Fraser joke of this episode. Yes, this is actually true. The dog from Fraser made a hundred thousand dollars an episode. The dog itself. Yes. How did it fill out its W two? No idea. <laughs> the paw print. So. It was a nightmare for yes. accounting. <laughs> Now, as far as we know, Bono never killed again after Kim Bianchi left town, and it is actually very likely that Bono never killed anyone. It seems as if this murder spree with Ken 
was almost just a lark to Angelo, just another way to explore his sadistic urges without having to take the last step necessary to get away with the kind of no-holds-bar brutality that these two participated in. Yeah, I'm, I'm you know, now all the uh, killing is done, what I really decided to get into was something that kind of been a passion of mine for a really long time, getting this saxophone. <laughs> oh, that you're going to start building your own battle bot, <laughs> which would be a, a very You know what, that's a really good idea. I like the wedge ones because they're impossible to knock over. <laughs> that's a good point. Whoever made the ladybug one was ridiculous. By the way, I mean, if you do that sort of brutality, if you have, the, if you do that sort of uh, kidnap and torture, you have to kill the victim. Like yes. that's that's something you have to do. You and cannot Bono, leave a living witness. You cannot leave a living witness, and Bono couldn't do it. Like he just could, he was not a killer. He was a fucking monster, but. I don't think he was a killer. Kennifer was the killer. Mm. <laughs> he, uh, but he just kind of went back to his. He kind of went back to his roots, and also we see the trends in psycho- psychopathy, right? Where he was bored by the process after a while. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he completely lost interest. But Ken, he turned his life around completely upon reuniting with his wife and son in Bellingham. And for 11 months, Ken held a job at the Coastal Security Agency as a security guard where his bosses and the customers loved him and made him the most requested member of the crew. But I have some other information that says that Kenny, during that time, was doing a little bit, dabbling back into shady shit. Mm. He was allowing himself to build back up, which has allowed these murders to happen again, was that he started offering uh, uh, photography like sessions for models, and he said that he wanted to do nude shots of women, and then there was another woman who reported that he asked her if he could be her pimp. So he was a security guard slash fashion Fashion photographer? Yeah, I say fashion photographer. Fashion photographer? Because that's what it is. It's because yes. it's F O A F A U X S H I O U N. A fashion. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that does make you a serial killer. Yes. A fashion photographer? Being a se- security guard slash fashion, fashion photographer? <laughs> yeah, no, you're yeah. a serial killer. Yes. <laughs> but his supposed good behavior would not last long, for on January 11th, 1979, Bianchi would commit a crime that would shock the small town of Bellingham, Washington, and bring the case of the Hillside Stranglers to a close. And where was Niles during all of this? <laughs> he would have had something funny and, and uh, nerdy and kind of gay to say. Cutting. Yeah. He wasn't gay. Well, he was. He was. Don't tell me that. <laughs> Uh, Karen Mandic, a 22-year-old student, knew and had made friends with Kim Bianchi during his time as a security guard at the department store where Karen worked. And as far as she knew, he was friendly, popular, and a doting, loving father. He talked about his kid constantly. That's what everyone said about him, is that he was a doting father, that he loved his son. It's a great cover for a serial killer. It's an amazing cover for a serial killer. We saw the same thing with BTK. Of course, everyone hated him out on his uh, dog catcher runs. But back home, like Mm -hmm. we actually know somebody who knew Dennis Rader. She was friends with one of Dennis Rader's uh, daughters uh, and said that, yeah, he was out and about. He was always the fun guy at the barbecue. But he was the guy whose job it was to strangle dogs. (laughs) Yeah, terrible person. (laughs) Yeah, he's the worst, but he had a great cover. That's why I don't trust any of these helicopter parents you see all around Greenpoint. Mm. Yeah. Disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Now, Ken got a hold of Karen and told her that he'd gotten a job repairing an alarm system at a house outside of town, and he wanted to see if she wanted to help out on the job. She would house it 
while he took the alarm away to be repaired. Normal, normal job. Mm-hmm. Fairly normal job. Yeah, all you got to do is you just got to sit there, keep an eye on things. I mean, anybody could have done it. Anybody else besides this random woman that you met that you constantly tell her what a loving father you are and <laughs> probably insinuate that you kind of want to take her out on a date. And But, you know, but she kind of laughs it off a little bit thinking he's just a goofy dad. You know, he's just mm-hmm. a goofy dad. Sure, yeah, goofy yeah, yeah. Now, in exchange for that, Ken would pay her Two hundred dollars, almost four hundred bucks in today's money. And the only stipulation that Ken had was that Karen was not to tell a single soul where she was going or what she was doing. Interesting. Yeah, seems kind of like a warning sign. Seems like a thing where a guy says, (laughs) "Don't you fucking tell anybody where you are, what you're doing here." (laughs) Okay, I'm gonna go. Oh, I gotta get a baba to my son. He's just the cutie patoots. Yeah. Karen, just a little bit suspicious, asked if she could bring her friend Diane Wilder along. Ken agreed. Yeah! <laughs> yeah! Yeah, Diane! Yeah! What's she look like? I'm not, not, not that I means anything to me, but it's like, what's she fucking look like? Okay, disturbing, Henry. Disturbing. <laughs> and he told them to meet him outside the house later that night. Around 7 o'clock, Karen and Diane pulled up to the darkened house where Ken came out to meet him. Now, Karen went in with Ken first, where she, as she was walking down the steps to the basement, was strangled from behind by Bianchi. And Ken returned and led Diane inside, where she met the same fate. You just never want your last moments to be scared walking down a flight of stairs going, Karen, Karen, are you here? Karen? It is a nightmare situation. I just yeah, call yeah. the cops. I always go beep boop boop first thing, and then even if even if Kissel's just asleep next to the refrigerator, <laughs> right. I know that he's safe down in the refri- down in the basement when right. I go down there. Always make sure if you're walking in front of somebody that the person behind you has their shoelaces in their shoe. Yes, <laughs> always check their shoes. Where are the laces? Scream at their shoes. If you're going right. if you're going in a man, if you're going with a man alone in a building that you don't know wh- where you're going or what you're doing, and you got to follow him down a bunch of steps down to a basement, just turn around and be like. Show me your shoes! Show me the shoes! <laughs> now, after he killed him, Ken loaded the two bodies back into Karen's car, drove it to a cul-de-sac, wiped the car clean of his fingerprints, and walked back to his truck. But Ken, without the supervision of his mentor, Angelo Bono, left a trail of clues behind that would get him arrested less than 24 hours later. He learned nothing. He learned absolutely nothing. Now, first of all, Karen had not kept her promise to not tell anyone where she was going that night. She let her boyfriend know where she was heading and who she was going to meet. Furthermore, Ken had also called up the woman next door to the murder scene and told her to not go anywhere near the house that night as armed guards were patrolling the scene. And of course, the nosy neighbor noticed Karen's car that night and called police when an APB went out with a description of Karen's green mercury bobcat. I just feel like if I was the boyfriend of this woman, Karen, I would have grown a five o'clock shadow, picked up a smoking habit, and immediately become a detective in an Oldsmobile. Absolutely. I would have just followed just the car. Just the streets. Yeah. Where are you going? Hmm. Huh. That's so funny. And hang out by, like, f- like phone booths. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For some reason, it's only raining above you. <laughs> now, the police working with Ken's boss, who was in a complete and total state of disbelief that Ken could be involved in anything... Anything criminal, much less murder. 
They arrested Ken later that afternoon, and Ken put on such a good show that even the arresting officer was convinced that the real killer had used Ken's name as an alias. They put together a really interesting case. Moa, his boss at that job, really pieced this together because when they showed up at Bianchi's house, he, they asked him, basically they want to know his whereabouts of where the hell he was it's like during the time when these women disappeared, mm-hmm. and he said he was at a sheriff's recruitment center meeting, some, like, some weird police Sh- meeting. Sheriff's reserve meeting yes and so he went and he was like so Moa's just like you know what a lot of things are not working out with this guy like because at this point it's like he was well loved at the security center but they he was a loud mouth and he was always talking up shop and he was like always like he would introduce himself as a uh as a rank that did not exist all the time he called himself captain (laughs) and so like all of the captain of the security yes that's what the guy my bodega calls me hey what's up captain (laughs) that's strange i think he thinks you're a police officer he might um so his so moa put together these little kernels being like, I think there's something like fishy about what Kenny's talking about. So he called the sheriff's reserves and asked if Kenny showed up to that meeting and he didn't. So they were mm. like, well, what are you going to do? And so now they're piecing things together. The cops call Mo and being like, we need to bring him in, but we think he may be like a dangerous guy. If he committed these crimes, he's very, very dangerous. And so Moa faked a call to Kenny and said, hey, you have to go over and check out the security desk that is unmanned. It's on this like remote part of this parking lot. And so Kenny went out there to check it and a cop was there with his gun out and they arrested him Mm -hmm. my sister is the best gift giver i've ever met of any person it's jackie zabrowski she shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and christmases i have no idea how she does it i don't know how she do it but guess what she always wins mother's day but not this year i'm coming back Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right. Give the moms in your life an aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional and we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse pics over various country borders, 
I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my Killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I, I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. And then Kelly was, of course, called in for questioning as well. And having no idea whatsoever of her husband's duplicitous nature, mm. gave police the go-ahead to search their house. A fatal mistake for Ken on Kelly's part. Now, first of all, cops found a cache of expensive telephones, which Ken had stolen from houses. Uh, and although he did have st other stolen objects... The vast majority was expensive telephones. Well, I mean, you never know when you got to make a call. <laughs> That's good. I mean, I guess so. Yeah, you but you can, of course, yeah, but any, you, all you need is one phone. phone. Yeah. You don't, <laughs> it is, you don't I need do like, eight backup okay, phones. Now, I actually do have to say I can see being in a situation where you are stressed and you say, I'm going to the telephone room. <laughs> do not bother me for 30 minutes. I never interrupt Kenny when he's in the telephone room. <laughs> None of the phones are connected to no. any sort of wires. <laughs> but yet he's always having conversations with somebody. But he also had a cabinet full of canned crab meat. <laughs> well, That's I, also true. Oh they said man, they opened I, up a I cabinet don't... and a cop got hit with a, a fucking pile of cans of crab meat. Damn it, this is where one of those times in my life where I just feel like, why do I... Both of those things I kind of like. <laughs> <laughs> but I could see Kelly at one point making some sort of crab dip and sitting there and being like, yeah. I'm out of crab meat. I really need to go to the store. Meanwhile, Kenny's sitting there like knowing he has a whole cabinet <laughs> of crab meat, but not telling her, just being like, yeah, maybe you should step out to the store or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. While you're out there, give me a couple of... Mangoes, yeah. <laughs> Maybe some more crab meat. <laughs> now, as far as the crime itself went, police also found a scarf belonging to Diane Wilder in Bianchi's apartment. And when police searched the murder scene, a single pubic hair belonging to Kim Bianchi was found on the stairs, conclusively linking him to the crime. Now, they were really looking for pubic hair. They yeah. Were, well, yeah, that's what you got to do. Hell See, my house... They're everywhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do seem like a puby dude. I, I, you know, I do what I got to do. I maintain. I've learned to maintain. Yeah. Oh, but yeah, they, you have they, to. You're a hairy guy. But they get rascally. 
And then the thing is, is that with between my back hair and my pubic hair, I don't know what hairs are what. <laughs> the thing is that my back hair and my pubic hair are both going to come out if I'm in a struggle. Yeah, I feel like they connect sort of like a person wearing a onesie. Um, I now officially, this this is probably inappropriate to say, but the yeah. hair now can grow from my beard to my chest hair and from my back hair to my head hair. I am legitimately, I have maybe two inches of body that are uncovered with hair. You are becoming like Stephen King was in that horror short where he became a bush. <laughs> I think it was a dark side or something. See, I'm the exact opposite. I only have like two square inches of my body that actually has hair on it. All right. So I'm now like that a, we've like covered a, that. I'm like a seal. They found a pube, you say. <laughs> now, there are a couple of different interpretations concerning the motivations behind the Bellingham murders. It could be that the motivation was just as simple as Ken not being able to keep his murderous impulses under control after 11 months of not killing. But another way of looking at it is that Ken may have committed the murders as a way to impress Angelo Bono or to prove to Bono or to prove to himself that he could commit and get away with murder just fine without his cousin. When the police chief of Bellingham examined the bodies of the two young women, the Hillside Strangler murders were the first thing to pop into his mind. See, the chief was friends with the father of one of the victims of the Hillside Stranglers back in Los Angeles, so the guy was intimate with the details of the case. Mm. And so investigators, through interviews with Kelly Boyd, began digging into Ken's past. And not only had Ken lived at the Tamarind apartment buildings at the same time the call girl had been murdered there, Kelly also told him that because they didn't have a phone at their apartment, Ken often made and took all of his phone calls at the local public library where the call to lure the girl to the vacant apartment was made. So I will say, I mean, I, I know it's 10 murders in, but it does seem like the cops are okay in oh. this situation. They're actually trying to do some real detective work. I mean, that's a, that we said that in the last episode, like the cops, both in Los Angeles and Bellingham, like they did a hell of a job. They did the best they could with what they had. And they also, they worked across state lines. They worked across uh, different jurisdictions. The cops actually did, this is one of those cases where the cops actually did do a pretty good job. Yeah. Bono and Bianchi did a good job of, of I mean, did a a horrible job of covering up their tracks as well but that's how good the police work was is that they took all of these little pieces of information and kept them together that's where that's where a task force really works yeah when you have like the walls of information like you see in a, in a true crime show nowadays where you see like all the fucking yarn across different maps that shit fucking just nabbed him real good yeah just, yeah we're not talking about the fucking hot dog squad here right no like this is an actual like los angeles major metropolitan and police department that actually knows what they're doing. Now, police also discovered that Ken had lived on Garfield Avenue where two of the Strangler's victims were last seen. And after these revelations, cops searched the Bianchi house further and found a ring belonging to Yolanda Washington, which linked Ken conclusively to the Hillside Strangler murders as well. Hmm. And this, this right here doesn't have a whole lot to do with the case. Mm-hmm. But cops also found a pair of underpants and a towel that Ken had been masturbating into for months. They were both hardened and soaked from what was probably dozens, if not hundreds, of loads. Wait a second. I know well, you're arresting me, and I know you're keeping me in the cell. I know you're investigating my, my home right now. Please tell me you didn't take my jerky cloths. <laughs> yeah. Did you take my jerky cloths? I've been working on those! <laughs> 
You have any idea how hard it is to keep a shirt together for nine months of shooting webs into it? (laughs) Unbelievable. I just feel bad for the detective who has to pick it up for the first time. What is this? Is this a bizarre stuffed squirrel? Oh, no. Look at this incredible paper mache project that uh, (laughs) Bianchi was working on. Be like, what is that? Hmm. Oh, it's kind of salty. It's, kind of, it's like made with like like kind of saltwater taffy that's like bleach flavored. <laughs> oh, I know weird. that smell. That smells like my husband. That spunk. <laughs> yeah, that's spunk. Yeah, my nose is in my eyelashes. Oh, you're gonna want to go to the doctor. Yeah, you guys ever seen those pictures of like the cum boxers or the cum box? You know, on the internet no, where like no, the guy there's no. the guy that jerks off into his boxer shorts for like a year. No. And it's like got like a kind nope. of a pool, nope. but it's also like sort of nope. fungusy a little bit. Absolutely not. Nope. Never. I'm with Henry on this one. You Never. guys you want to? Nope. No. <laughs> All right. Back <laughs> Can we just get to the subject at hand? No. And even more bizarrely, they also found an old taxidermied rabbit that Ken had used as a sex toy of some kind <laughs> on the rabbit. Now, um, you remember the story of the Velveteen Rabbit? <laughs> yeah. About how what, what he wished to it, it? that he's like they sometimes love can that can keep make you alive. In this case, <laughs> yeah. I think that that Velveteen Rabbit <laughs> lived like one of the Leonard Lake and Charles Ing's M girls. <laughs> so, was a so he used this with a woman. No. This, no, 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 no! This was he solo. Was, no, a woman this would scream. This was solo that. time. This was Ken's alone time. This is like crab meat and his rabbit. Afternoon and all the phones <laughs> eating crab meat, <laughs> fucking a stuffed rabbit while his Kelly Kelly just moaning in the other room about how she's sick from being pregnant. <laughs> wow. <laughs> now Kelly, speaking Wa- of Kelly, watching cricket on a black and white fucking television screen. Yeah. You can't interrupt a man's alone time. You can't judge a man's no. alone time. You can't. <laughs> speaking of Kelly, <laughs> I just she was so <laughs> what. Nothing. I just I just picture him like sitting sitting in a, in a, on a chair in a room, fake answering phones, looking at the stuffed rabbit, being like, "I'm coming for you." And then like, remember, it's getting, better than him murdering girls. Yeah. If he just did that, we wouldn't have to do this podcast about him. That would be a secret shame that yeah. only he would know about. It's more horrifying than than Gacy's garage. <laughs> now Kelly, she was starting to realize that Ken was in jail for the long haul, so she. He brought up Ken's cancer, and he'd been keeping this whole cancer thing going. He was, I think, on like maybe year two of the the cancer story, but cops soon discovered that there was no record whatsoever of Ken having any kind of cancer, even though he had brought report forms from the hospital to Kelly. Kelly brought these report forms to the cops. They're like, no, 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 he has cancer. Look, look, look. He has these forms. <laughs> the forms say it. I mean, he's gaining weight, and I noticed him at the gym, and he did oh, 50 pull-ups the other day, but these forms says he has it. it. Must be true. Yep. And what Ken had been doing is he'd been, when he was in the hospital wandering around, he'd been stealing forms and forging his own name on the reports, and 
when Ken was questioned about this by Kelly, he said he had no memory of any of it. Forms? What? <laughs> I'm just still very confused that he could walk around the hospital for three hours a day stealing forms and no one kicked him out. Now, he only went in like once every couple weeks. You know, he, in hospitals, they got face blindness. They don't pay attention. Yeah, everybody's did. a pre-corpse in a hospital. <laughs> oh, yeah. And also, and he was Patch Adamsing it. He was walking around <laughs> goofing around with the nurses, making the kids laugh. He had a fucking, they all thought he was like, laughter is the medicine that heals these children and that doctor, if he even isn't a doctor, is a doctor of laughter. All of his balloon animals just look like knives. <laughs> then he stabbed the girl, stabbed yeah. the girl, stabbed And the whole amnesia thing, that wasn't, the own, that wasn't just the line that he gave to Kelly. When cops started questioning him about the murders in general because they had ample evidence both from Bellingham and Los Angeles, Ken, even faced with a mountain of evidence, denied remembering any of it actually happening. So after being examined by a forensic psychiatrist, it was recommended that Ken undergo hypnosis. What he did, though, is he did quickly lawyer up. He, when he very quickly lawyered when up. When he got arrested, he had a lawyer there all the time saying, don't don't speak, don't talk to these guys. Not, No doubt don't speak, but <laughs> oh, I love uh, that, you yeah. lawyerly don't speak. It would be unprofessional for him to sing don't speak at a interrogation with the police officer. Yeah, totally. I mean, unless, of course, they want, he wanted to be let go immediately. <laughs> uh, great album, great song, Tragic Kingdom. This is my defense attorney, Gwen Stefani. <laughs> mm. You could tell by her wonderful midriff and the, the troop of Japanese girls she yeah. brought with her. I'm still upset that Gavin Rosdale broke up with Tell her. me about oh, it. Oh, Jesus Christ. Listen to page seven oh, for more <laughs> for more on Gavin Rosdale and Gwen Stefani and what is she doing with Blake Shelton. What is she I love doing Blake. with okay, him? Don't even- <laughs> Go listen to page seven. GaveCompanyRadio.com Now, the first expert on hypnosis that they called in was Dr. John Watkins, the past president of the Society for Clinical and Experimental Hypnosis and the past president of the Hypnosis Division of the American Psychological Association. I can put anyone to sleep when they do anything that I want. I'm the lord of hypnosis. <laughs> that sounds terrifying. What do you mean, man? A doctor walking around just being like, hmm, you know, it's funny. You want the budget papers in on time? I can make you walk like a chicken anytime I like. <laughs> It'd be great in Vegas. <laughs> now, the first session took place on March 21st, 1979. Watkins explained to Ken that he could use hypnosis to maybe fill in some of the gaps in his memory, and Ken was on board 110%. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah. And after a brief exploration of Ken's childhood, Dr. Watkins asked to speak to only a part of Ken rather than Ken as a whole. And Dr. Watkins referred to this part as part, asking him, would you talk with me part by saying I'm here? So Ken slumped down and answered in a deeper, more surly voice saying, I'm not Ken. (laughs) When the psychiatrist asked him who Ken was, he Uh, said, well, uh. You could call me Steve. <laughs> Very clever. Yeah. Now, Steve was a demonstrably different character than the mild-mannered Ken Bianchi. He was nasty, short-tempered, and aggressive, and had an extreme dislike for Ken, who he called... An ass. He's just, an ass? An ass. He's like, oh, Whoa. he's you an guys, ass. He's soft. Do you bite your thumb at me, sir? <laughs> 
He's an ass. You guys got any fucking gogurt? I like yogurt. I can squirt directly into my throat, unlike Ken, who can't handle a quart of fucking gogurt. Ken, you can, you pussy. Wow. <laughs> but it wouldn't be long before Steve was confessing to as many hillside strangler murders as he could, implicating Angelo the whole way with very little prompting did he start talking about these murders steve said ken walked in on his cousin angelo angelo had a girl over and ken walked in on the middle of angelo killing this girl now who's angelo ah some turkey he knows his cousin uh, somebody it's somebody he knows i don't know him i'm steve <laughs> You're definitely the dumbest person I've ever put to sleep. Hey, I'm Steve. Steven, please. <laughs> Call me Steven. The Steve went on to claim that it was at this point, when he walked in on, on Angela murdering the girl, that he went from being just in the background of Ken's mind to taking over Ken completely, forcing him to commit murders while the soft-hearted, wimpy Ken could only look on in horror. And when asked about the motivations for the murder, Steve said, There was nothing wrong with killing because it was like getting back at Ken's mother, you hear? <laughs> yeah! <laughs> wow. And he said that when he killed, it felt like he was killing his mother. And when asked why he hated women, Steve said, They hurt. That's it. <laughs> okay, Steve is Ken. So Ken Steve is I, I Ken. I just don't understand. He's what... putting on a fake voice <laughs> playing Steve. Yeah, right, but Steve, it's just such a, it's a strange name to choose. Steve. Steve. Ken well, or Steve. Well, we'll find out later why to... he chose the name yeah. Steve. What does he want to name? And he's like, his name is Ravenstar. <laughs> that you can make up any name. And he went with Steve. Now, listening to what Ken is talking about here, you might think that Ken not only had a high level of self-awareness, but also an understanding of serial murder long before such a thing was widely studied. But the truth of the matter is a combination of factors. First, Ken had a large collection of psychology books in his own personal library outlining the exact types of behavior that Ken was exhibiting. Also, he wanted to be a cop for a long time, and he was right. training to be a cop, and he wanted to sound like he knew what he was talking about to cops, so that's because yeah. he would hang out with them all the time. How big was this guy's house? He's got a phone room, a bizarre <laughs> stuffed rabbit In the room. 1970s, everyone was given a three-room house, just a three-bedroom house just off the, off just the top of living? their head. Yeah, that and the uh, Do You Feel Like I Feel by, um, what's his name? Frampton Comes by Alive. By Frampton Comes Alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they, they issue it in the suburbs with seasons of tide. Yes. Yeah, that's Wayne's World. Oh, that's it. <laughs> kind of funny there, yeah. Uh, the other thing is that Ken's lawyer had compiled a report on Ken's childhood detailing all those incidents that we talked about in the first episode, and Ken, of course, had gotten his hands on that report prior to the hypnosis sessions. So mm. Ken, pretty much, he had a full-on education on the, in this stuff before he went in. And Frank Salerno, the original investigating detective in the Strangler case, was present at this first hypnosis, se hypnosis session and wrote one word down in his notebook, bullshit. Oh, that's yeah. unfair. <laughs> if you are a detective, though, you're a rational-minded person, specifically in this case, you have to watch this and just be livid. They were. 
I mean, you, the whole you, time. With that Steve? Oh, now you're Steve? <laughs> you fucking idiot! Well, because this whole time he kept saying, "I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember." They said the term that he was he was blowing smoke into the case, mm-hmm, where right. he was saying this shit. And then when he came out as Steve, all of these cops were just sitting there because it's either it's that the classic thing of like this man is badly faking a multiple personality disorder. Right. He is either a moron that needs to be hung in front of everyone, or this man. <laughs> Is even sicker and dumber than we even thought <laughs> is he, he was. Do, is he too dumb for trial? Yeah. <laughs> That's what they have to be concerned about now. Yeah, but I mean, the cops saw right through it. But the psychiatrist, specifically Doctor Watkins, he was like, "Boom, multiple personality disorder." Because uh. that would make his career exactly. Like he sees this story unfolding, he's just like, "If I can just bring a proper multiple personality disorder into the fold, I will be seen as the genius as I am, yeah. right. master like, of the mind." Yeah. He's like Dr. Loomis from uh, Halloween. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And these guys were piggybacking on each other because this first, that first guy, Dr. Watkins, he could say, I used hypnosis to bring this multiple personality out. And this next guy, Ralph Allison, his whole thing was, yeah. well, I can use this. He was a multiple personalities expert. Mm-hmm. And he, his whole thing was like, all right, well, I can use this as an example of how to break down ego states because that's what he told Ken. When he right. came in, he was the second person. They're like, all right, multiple personalities. Let's bring in the multiple personality guy. And this guy, his name was Ralph Allison. He told Ken, all right, what we're going to do is we're going to allow you to speak to Steve. You and Steve can have a conversation with each other. And this is just an incredible acting exercise. It sounds (laughs) like fucking, like, yeah, he's in the actor studio. Yeah. But the problem with that was that he, this doctor, had to explain to Ken multiple personality disorder in detail. So he pretty much gave him an instruction booklet on how to fake multiple personality disorder. And with this, Ken had a clear path to an insanity plea. I think we are overusing the term multiple personality disorder. There is nothing more generic than an average white dude. And now he's just going from Ken to Steve. To Steve. (laughs) They're the same personality. Yeah, it should. His name he should be, be like. He could have yeah. been Guana. Yeah. He's but, like, Ooh, child, you know I kill damn girls because I hate them shoes. Now we have a multi multiple personality. Right now, I'm just seeing the same white dude with a different name. I suffer from in this in this context. I suffer from multiple personality disorder. Yeah, what's your other name? Well, thousands of other names. I hate me. Well, that's what they said. Is that they like Ken and Steve were caricatures. Yeah. They were caricatures of two different personalities. That Ken was the ultimate good, and Steve was the ultimate evil. That it was too. Cl- it was way too clean. It was very, very clean. Uh, and the other problem with Ken doing the the insanity plea. If Ken pled insanity and was found to be not guilty, police had no case against Angelo Bono whatsoever, as the only actual evidence they had that wasn't circumstantial was the testimony of Kim Bianchi. And if Kim Bianchi was declared legally insane, his entire testimony would be inadmissible, and Bono would go free. Meanwhile, he's just standing around literally in front of his upholstery shop, flipping his coin with a pack of cigarettes rolled up in his sleeve. He's going like, yeah, he's crazy. (laughs) He doesn't know what he's talking about. I've never done any of that. And all I do is sit around here, yeah, I like the broth. But guess what? <laughs> broth like me. <laughs> Some of them did. Now, regardless, Ken kept ratting out on his cousin. Further sessions revealed just how the two came up with this whole operation. And when asked how they decided to kill girls in the first place, Ken, as Steve, said, just sitting around, 
shooting shit. I asked him, hey, you ever kill anybody? He thought he was talking out of his ass. He didn't think anything of it. He said, I don't know. Why? Why do you want to know? And I said, well, I don't know. What does it feel like? And he said, I don't know. And I said, hey, you know what? We should find out sometime. And you know what he said? Okay. Hey, uh, and we did it. Steve. <laughs> yeah, that's me. I'm Steve, not Kenny. Yeah. This is kind of a funny game, honey. This is kind of a funny game I like to play with my multi-personality disorder clients. Steve, call Ken a jerk-off. Kenny, you're a fat jerk-off. <laughs> it's actually him calling himself a fat jerk-off. No, it's Kenny. Oh, I see. Yeah, yeah. Kenneth, I know how you hate that name. You blow yourself because your friend who knows who blows you. I'm sorry, what? No. Steve, Ken blows himself? No. Something Steve shouldn't say out loud. Oh, Ken, you're back. Because he doesn't want to hurt Ken's feelings <laughs> and spread the fact that Ken likes to fuck a stuffed rabbit <laughs> in his craft meat room. <laughs> I think we've got what we needed. <laughs> yeah, Steve, no, but Steve knows what he's talking about. So what did I say when I was, like, under? Oh, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> nothing. In his notepad, look for cum stained rabbit. <laughs> the detective tip just writes bullshit again. Now, this right here, this that we're about to play is an actual audio recording of Ken speaking as Steve about him and Angelo murdering women. It's not as fun as my version. No. <laughs> All right, let's go. You want to know which ones? See, I got your case. Okay. You want to know which ones Angelo and I did away? If you want you to think tell I'm me not going to tell you, huh? I don't know if you're going to tell me or not. Huh? I don't know if you're going to tell me or not. My decision, isn't it? I guess it is. Right. You don't have to. You don't have to take credit for any of them. You don't want to. Hey, man, it doesn't bother me any. I, you know, I told you. Killing abroad doesn't make any difference to me. Well, you want killing to any fucking buddy doesn't yeah, make well, any difference. Maybe you didn't kill any of those. I don't know. Oh, hey, no wrong, man. Hey, I killed a couple of these. Well, which one? If you think you did, right? I don't know. I killed her. Angelo killed her. They mean the wagner when Angelo killed. This broad I'd never seen before. Martin. This broad I'd never seen before. Hunchback, you never saw them at all? No. Nope. Oh. This broad I'd never seen before. Robinson? This broad I killed. These yeah, two Martin. Angelo killed. Hector. Johnson. This one I've never seen before. Angelo killed. Huh? This one I've never seen before. This broad I killed. He does say that the taking of human. I have to say they sound like two people who have been friends for thirty years solely because they sat together at a bar thirty years ago, <laughs> 30 years like, ago. like Norman the mailman from Cheers. They just sound like a bickering alcoholic duo. So you're saying. So Kenny's the Frasier, <laughs> and the police officer's the norm? Could be. Could uh, be. It is very interesting, again, the use of the term broad. Yeah. Everybody's oh, yeah. just slinging around the term broad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Over and over again, yeah. I mean, and it's almost like the psychiatrist has never seen a movie or anything, because, of course, the cops look at it like, that sounds so obviously fake. He's doing right. a 1920s gangster voice. Yeah. While the other guy's just like, he's like, interesting. <laughs> like, writing it down, everything that he says. Right. Yeah, I mean, because all these guys are thinking about is their career. But right. thankfully, the LAPD was not even close to being convinced because the name Steve might sound familiar to those of you who pay particularly close attention to part one of this series. 
homicide detectives back in Los Angeles, thoroughly unimpressed with Ken's performance up in Bellingham, knew that an alias was usually based on the personal experience of the person using it. Mm. And the big break came when police discovered Steve Walker, the psychology student whose name Ken had stolen way back when he was trying to be an amateur psychologist in his pre-murder days. It's like uh, it it's like in the usual suspects. Yeah, yeah. Kaiser, uh, Kaiser. It, yeah, Kaiser Soze, but in the dumbest way possible. <laughs> yeah, he got dumber. He didn't get more intelligent. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah. Ah, Jules. Oh, Jules. Make a wife smile today. The road to getting engaged can be long and full of memories and pitfalls and landmines. Or it can be short and thrilling, like a roller coaster on the way to the police department. But the road to finding the perfect engagement ring is a straightforward path every time. All you've got to do is head over to BlueNile.com and they're going to ship them rocks straight to your wife's new fingers. On BlueNile.com, you can create a bigger, more brilliant piece than you can imagine. At a price you won't find at a traditional jeweler, Blue Nile is the original online jeweler since 1999. That's present time to me. Their diamond price guarantee means that in most cases they can meet or beat a competitor's price on a comparable diamond. I know when I got my wife a beautiful Blue Nile necklace, the first thing she did was, what did you do? But afterwards, she was so happy to have it and she loved it and she wore it when we went on vacation and modern did everybody come around being like where'd you get that piece you beautiful woman and i was like stop talking to my wife she's spoken for you can see it with the blue nile bling she's got on her right now get 50 dollars off your purchase of 500 or more with code last podcast at blue nile.com that's 50 dollars off with code last podcast at blue nile.com blue nile.com No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly. You know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right, I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right, my job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free 
Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. And armed with this fact, the sixth and final doctor Ken would see back in Bellingham was about to discover the truth. In May of 1979, Dr. Martin Orne, another well-known expert in hypnosis who testified at the Patty Hearst trial, discovered yet another personality hidden in Bianchi's brain, that of Billy, who is apparently the bridge between Ken and Steve. They're just making it all up. They are just making it all up. Yeah, that's what happened. That's what multiple personality disorder. There was like maybe five cases. They also said during this time, and while he was sitting in the holding jail, he ordered a copy of Sybil, and he watched The Three Faces of Eve <laughs> while in jail. Huh. He watched yeah. all this shit, read all these books, because in the 1970s, people were obsessed with multiple personality disorder. Yeah, it was a huge thing. And, it, you know, of course, it, it led to, uh, the, and the multiple personalities thing led to, uh, what was it, the, the Satanic Panic book uh, that, you know, you know, the multiple personalities thing really became a huge phenomenon, and people wanted to believe it because it was, it, was, sure. it was a cool thing. And also, the, the vague uh, sections of it sound like MK Ultra training, which is real. And so then we have like the the what is arcane conspiracy knowledge at the time that we'll find out later is real as being sort of like snuck into all of this like pop culture psychology of like housewives their personalities breaking apart and then cheating on their husbands. Yeah, and these uh, psychiatrists like since multiple. Pers- personalities was like the hot thing at the time right if you got a multiple personality case it was like striking gold you're gonna yes, have yes <laughs> you're gonna have yeah. papers published you're gonna have books published you're gonna be brought on television shows like it was a multiple personality was the path to the big time right we're oh, gonna right. get this stand-up pool and i'm gonna name it the steve walker commemorative pool <laughs> <laughs> All right. so billy is the bridge between ken and steve yeah yeah, yeah. And he's- this He's the bridge between the two. And this is what he sounded like. I got a description of it from serial killers up close and personal. He was a little boy. He was, it was Kenny at the age of nine. Mm-hmm. Mommy was hitting me so bad I met Stevie. I closed my eyes. I was crying so hard. All of a sudden, he was there. He said hi to me. He told me I was his friend. I felt really good that I had a friend that I could talk to yeah. It's kind of sad. <laughs> it's really sad. I yeah. mean, but, but can but you imagine a grown it. 
rapist murderer making the voice, <laughs> yes. and then it shifts from sad to very scary. Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah, that to terrifying. But also dumb. Yeah, and then Billy eventually, because they started doing, they started with age regression, and I Billy see. started off as a little kid, and then eventually he got older and older because these two personalities mm. were with him throughout his entire life. You're he's like, also not good at voices. Yeah. He's yeah. not a voice actor. <laughs> yeah, he's really bad at it. See, Billy, he was the bridge. He was somewhere in between the two. Steve, or Ken, Ken was the saint. He never did anything wrong. He was a loving father. He was a great employee, great friend. Steve was the sadistic asshole. He raped, he killed, uh, and you know was just generally a pox on humanity. Billy was like, yeah, he was the one who lied. He was the one who cheated, but he was always like, you know what? I never really got on board with the killing. Yeah, Billy- I never really liked all the killing all that much. He's the creepy puppet. <laughs> That's what he sounds like. But you know what's really interesting? They said a part of the reason why he came up with the multiple personality disorder in the first place was because his attorney was like, you need to find a way to make your to exonerate yourself yeah. in, in a way. Yeah. And what he did was he sat him down and described the process of what it's like to be hung by the state of California. And he was like, some people go to the gallows screaming. Um, they have to strap them down. And he's like, and if they basically, if they screw up the hanging, you're paralyzed. And then you choke to death over 15 minutes. Yeah. Come up with something quick. You know, we need a we need a hit, kid. We need a hit. <laughs> Sounds like a record producer, literally. See, that's the thing is that you know now that Billy was coming out, uh, Doctor Orn, he was getting closer to the truth about Ken's so-called multiple personalities. Multiple personalities, because the thing about multiple personalities is that if they even exist at all, because there is still to this day a lot of debate as to if multiple personality disorder is an actual. Thing, if they even exist at all, they're created as a means to deal with extreme stresses, usually sexual abuse in childhood, and that persona, the different personas that are created, they're there to defend the dominant psyche. In other words, it's not a voluntary act at all. It's mm. all a stress-related uh, switch. But Ken was able to switch from personality to personality at the behest of the hypnotist. And furthermore, Ken, Steve, and Billy, like I said earlier, they were just too clean. They were caricatures of good, evil, and somewhere in between. They weren't they weren't complex personalities at all. It's like you said, Ben, like it's just like three white guys. It's like one that is cool one that's cool, one that sucks, and one that's a rapist murderer. Right. Um what about Daniel D. Lewis and Lincoln? <laughs> yeah, multi Daniel D. Lewis and my left foot. Daniel Day Lewis and there will be blood. Do you he think chooses, he's a murderer? He no, he chose multiple personalities over money. Oh yes. He, money helped him choose to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the final nail in the multiple personality coffin came when Orn told Ken to hallucinate that his lawyer was in the room. Didn't prompt him, just told him, Hey, your lawyer's in the room. That's it. And Bianchi, playing along, reached out to shake the imaginary lawyer's hand. The only problem with that is that while subjects under hypnosis can be made to hallucinate people and objects, they never physically interact with them. Finally. Ooh. Somebody was just like, because you know finally Orange just said to me, and like, this is the worst case of fakery I have seen <laughs> right. in a long he, ass time. He actually was. He was like, this is, like, he kind of looked down on the rest of the psychiatrist, like, 
what have you people been doing? Because at this point, now Kenny's in there doing a three rings, three ring fucking circus show. He's like Martin Short doing his like a Broadway <laughs> yeah. show. They're coming in there. The more and more cops are building up. It's kind of like Henry Lee Lucas. It's the same thing because Kenny Kennifer got uh, <laughs> a, got off from attention. Yeah. And so now again, it's now shifted to here. Now I can have attention in this little arena. Yeah. And now I'm doing it. I'm playing all these people. And so finally, somebody with some level of reason showed up and was just like, it's just, this is insanity. <laughs> yeah. And a lot like Henry Lee Lucas, the Bellingham Police Department really took, uh, they took a shine to Kenny. He was allowed to uh, do, he was allowed to get Sybil. He was allowed to watch movies and, you know, get books. He was allowed to correspond with anybody that he wanted to mm. uh, without any sort of supervision whatsoever. He was just going whole hog on everything. I know from my father, a, a cop will make instant friends with anyone who wants to listen to their stories. <laughs> Good point. And that's how it goes. You just, you can be, you, all you have to do is be, tell, ask a cop, what's your worst story? And he's like, all right, here, you want to hold my gun? <laughs> <laughs> and so six psychiatrists later. And by the way, I don't know if I'd stress that enough. Six right. psychiatrists examined this guy. Ken's story finally collapsed, and his insanity plea was rejected. And faced with a mountain of evidence and insanely detailed confessions, Ken had no choice but to plead guilty, and in a deal made with the Los Angeles District Attorney's Office, he avoided the death penalty by testifying against Bono. And testify he did for six months essentially being the biggest pain in the ass the Los Angeles criminal justice system would see until Charles Ng took the stand two decades later. Wow. Wow. He was a showman after all. He was. He really was. And well, guess, he would switch it, from day to day. Like, until one day, he, he would actually switch from hour to hour. And he would come in in the morning yeah. and say, like, yeah, I killed all these women. Like, I did this, I did that. Angelo was there. And then he'd come in in the afternoon and say, like, you know what? I forgot. I don't remember anymore. It, re it is sort of like going back to family matters when Stephen Urkel, uh, when Urkel would turn into Stephen Urkel. I loved like, those episodes. It yeah, is like so. That, if I was right. a juror, I'd be like, like "Oh, I, I hope Steve comes in." Today. <laughs> I imagine. I love it when Steve's there. But I do imagine that Stephen Urkel, Stefan Urkel, would murder a girl oh, and slowly yeah. choke her with a plastic. Yes, <laughs> that was yeah. actually a stalker situation. If you go back and watch if that sitcom, dangerous, <laughs> very <laughs> dangerous. What he was doing to Laura. Stephen Urkel. Steve Urkel is very similar to the uh, the the uh, Santa Barbara uh, lady killer uh, guy. Steve Urkel or yeah. Stefan? Steve Urkel. Hmm. I don't oh, know. He seemed a lot more. Laura good. is really lucky she didn't end up with a fucking bullet in her head. Well, her, her father was a police officer as well. Even worse, guns in the house. Well, it's. Oh. <laughs> well, one other interesting thing about uh, Kim Bianchi's psyche, and as far as attention went, is that when he was in Bellingham and all of these cops and psychiatrists were fawning over him and giving him everything that he wanted, he was extremely cooperative. He uh, actually, you know, he went and he, you know, confessed and he cried during uh, the trial or during the hearing. Uh, but as soon as he went down to Los Angeles for Bono's trial, nobody gave a shit about him anymore. The, the LAPD, mm. they didn't placate him. They didn't give him anything that he wanted. So he pretty much turned into a little titty baby and oh. refused to cooperate. And that's why he spent six months on uh, the witness stand. What he also apparently did, too, one statement he made is during it is that when he got shipped down to L.A., he's like, I finally get my dream of being a murder investigator. Like, he's got to, because he was investigating his own murder. Right. <laughs> like his own mur like he got to be he got to play cop. You well, I mean yeah. one cool thing about investigating your own murder, you'll solve it. 
<laughs> you know, yeah. like because all you have to go killer. is spin around. Where's the killer? Where's the killer? Nope. Oh, it's me. It's me. <laughs> pointing at my nose. <laughs> Look at that. Got it. Nailed it. And after the longest trial in California history, at that time, Angelo Bono would be convicted and sentenced to life in prison, where he died in 2002. Bianchi is still alive mm. and has since decided that he is innocent of all charges, and to this day vows to one day find quote unquote. The real killer. OJ. OJ did it. I love that. I love the vow to find the real killer. Oh, yeah. Always. Yeah, of course, because that is how he would exonerate him. Or that's how he would be exonerated. And there's also a weird epilogue to this story involving a woman named Veronica uh, that I think we're going to get into uh, in a future episode. Women who love men who kill. Uh, she saved his life. That's what she said because she also brought yes. him the love of Jesus Christ. Mm, the love of Jesus Christ. Good. That's after she left him for the Sunset Strip strength. <laughs> <laughs> well, but she's we'll, got a type. Yeah, we'll we'll get. Oh, that woman has a type. But yeah, we'll get into her possibly in a, a, a future episode. We don't want to give that one away just yet. But it's a really mustaches. Weird, yeah, yeah mustache. <laughs> loves the mustache. All and right. that's it. That's the Hillside Stranglers. All right, uh, Hillside Stranglers. Another great job of research, Mr. Parks. Thank Wonderful. You very much. Stuff, very Henry did a hell of a lot on this one as well. Great and work, also, Henry. Thanks to uh, April Bennett, research assistant April Bennett, who uh, really helped out a lot on this one as well. Our first two research assistants unfortunately died in the process of the Om Shinrikyo episode. <laughs> oh, so, unfortunately. This is a memoriam of them, this episode. Yeah. Um, I, uh, th- it's one of those things where I love the big hitters. I love doing these big hitters. I love <laughs> researching them. Um, sometimes I'd be like, mm, I wish they didn't hadn't done this. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Always <laughs> wish we didn't even yeah. have a show. I would prefer if this doesn't even exist. Yeah, what if, would we if it was do if, if we didn't have all of that? Though? Aliens. Talk- it would be aliens, a- it would yeah. be aliens and ghosts and big feet and all sorts of other fun stuff. I would love to talk about Sasquatch and random cryptids. And we're gonna. Yeah. We're coming going up. to. Yeah, we've got our, our next couple episodes are gonna be real fun. Um, Guys, check out on Netflix. It's, it used to be, it was a straight-to-DVD uh, set that you could only get from the back of a magazine. I remember because I had a copy for MUFON magazine from when I was a child. And I always wanted the set, but my mom was just like, you're disgusting. <laughs> no, you can't have an alien book. You already have too many books with Satan's on the covers. And you're gonna go talk to the priest. One of the priests is just lubing up his hands for the other boys. I um, it's called UFOs: Best Evidence Caught on oh, I Tape watched it. on Netflix, and it rules. Yeah. Well, one of them is a helicopter. <laughs> well, there is, there is literally one. There's there is one where it's a helicopter. You can see the uh, the the spinners. Your problem is what do you call them? You're thinking about it. Uh, you just got to stop thinking about it. No, it was very funny. I actually watched that. Great series. Yeah. And we've got to make a couple of thank yous right now. Uh, we've got to say thank you to Brianna Parrish for sending us this amazing John Wayne Gacy illustration. Oh, my God. It's so good. It's cute. Uh, it's real cute. It's super it's, cute. It's adorable. You can find out. She, and I checked out her stuff. She's an amazing illustrator. You can check her out at BriannaParish.com. That's two N's. You know what's so R's. weird? It, it, it's so bizarre. I didn't even see that as John Wayne Gacy. I thought it was of you, Henry. I just thought <laughs> I didn't even. It is of... very interesting, right? Yeah. No, we're <laughs> blending together. Yeah. Um, who made this picture? Uh, that would be Aaron Towns. Uh, did a real cool picture and a set of playing cards of us uh, as uh, two real houses for feet and dog meat. That's and he drew so cool. uh, me wearing a really cool little David Bowie uh, low t-shirt. It is really cool. It's really cool. It really, is really cool. Really funny. Gave it's me really doggy cute. ears. Um, doggy um, nose. I like to make a couple shout outs. I like to make shout out Stevie Chris who uh, shot all these photos for us that we've been oh, using as promo yeah. material for last podcast on the left. I like to thank 
thank my girlfriend Natalie because she put a lot of work into that too, and it's fucking worthwhile. They, so they both kicked ass. Yeah, yeah. They've been helping us a lot. It's really awesome. Um, I want to give a shout out to Lord Rael, man. How is how's the weight going? You fucking fat piece of <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, leave him alone. <laughs> he's got a, he's got still, a thing going. You still sweating your balls off from Baja, Mexico? You idiot. <laughs> I kind of got a lot of respect for him. This is my question, Lord Rael. If you're in the Facebook in the Facebook group, fucking show yourself so we can pants you on the internet. You dumb shit. I'm a yeah. follower. I think he's got a lot of great points. I also want to get a shout out to Baron Corbin, a.k.a. The Big Breakfast. Yeah. You may actually know him better as the Lone Wolf on WWE. Two links. But- all the hash browns. You know he's going to mm. shove your face deep down into a pile of scrambled eggs. Oh, God. Now I'm getting, now I'm getting aroused. we got to end the episode soon. Uh, and of course, thank you everybody for giving to our, our Patreon. Uh, you can uh, go give to our Patreon, patreon.com slash last podcast on the left. Any amount that you give uh, is totally cool with us. Thank you so much. Every tiny little bit uh, counts and it helps and it helps us to bring us to live shows literally all around the world now. Our next live show that we have is uh, in Atlanta on 16th. 16th. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And then after that, we've got Washington, D.C. Uh, the following Saturday. At the Kennedy Center. At the Kennedy Center. Well, Man, I'm going to steal so much shit from Adam Carolla's dressing room. <laughs> oh, can't wait. Uh, but it is June 16th. July 16th will be in Los Angeles. Ah, good, so good. We've, got a, we've got a busy couple so of months June 18th. June 18th. June 18th. Jesus Christ. You know what? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Google it, okay? We don't have to know. We'll just, be there. You can just... Google it. All right, I just promise go. you. When yeah. the show happens, we will be on yeah. that stage, no matter what yeah. day we'll it is. And also, we're forced to be. And also, uh, by the way, our live show this month, our New York live show, is going to be on July second. Uh, we're not. It's not going to be the fourth Saturday. It's going to be the first Saturday yeah. of July. And then in July, we're coming to uh, Los Angeles. Uh, and then in August, you know, we're coming back to Baltimore. You know what? We have them so confused at this point. No, I know. Let's- I got it in my head. <laughs> I got, I got it all this, worked Can we start my... the standard? We'll see you when we see you. We'll yeah. see you when you... <laughs> and in October, don't forget, in October, we just uh, did... We just added a couple of shows to our UK tour. We're doing yes. Glasgow. Glasgow. I'm, say, I'm gonna say Glasgow. 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 Yeah, Glasgow. Yeah, we're doing that. We're the, gonna do great in Scotland. <laughs> this is gonna be exciting. <laughs> Tickets are on sale for that gigs and tours uh, com. We also added a second Thursday London show. Uh, so guys, come on out and fucking see us there. And we're uh, we're working on a couple of other European dates oh, it's gonna be so as well. Cool. It's Toss gonna be a couple so of, fucking cool. Toss a couple of shrimps on the Barbie London. <laughs> we it's not can't the right wait country. To take your trolleys and your ruse everywhere. I hope continent. a dingo doesn't eat our baby out there. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is going to be exciting. Uh, thanks for supporting all the shows here at CCR. Able against Top Hat for Politics, Roundtable of Gentlemen, uh, the, the Lucky Bone Show yeah. for uh, your music needs, yep. and Page 7, and sex and, uh, sex and Other Human Activities, if you want to hear Marcus discuss sex and other human activities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Most- shitting. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's the only other one, right? It's sex. Yeah. No, mental health. Oh, okay. We talk about mental health. Oh, yeah. Well, it's just and doing- my And my daily struggles. <laughs> All right, the struggle is real. No, 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 no. The struggle is mine, my friend. Hail yourselves. <laughs> Hail Satan. Hail Gein. Hail me. My constellations, one and all. To each and every one of you sad asses. <laughs> For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. 
The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.